are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today, as always, is Carmen Perry. Carmen, what's shaking? Well, uh, ooh, that's, a, that's a seriously dangerous question. I, I will say it's interesting to be on this side of the microphone again. I, uh, I feel like both of us have been doing yeah. podcast interviews a lot lately uh, on other people's shows, and um, frankly, I think it's a lot harder. Like I was chatting with one guy, Dennis Brown, and he used the, let's unpack that a bit. I'm that's like, my question Dennis like what the hell like you're just like that's what so I'm gonna maybe I'll try not to use that phrase yes yeah. if I can uh and uh, that would be helpful but I, yeah I'm uh I'm excited to be back yeah well I, you know I think it uh it's always good you know if we wanted to unpack each other's particular catchphrases we, we certainly could do that you uh, know Carmen yeah. I'm curious yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, that's not good. <laughs> so uh, joining us today on The Cooler Ring is Drew Richards. Drew is the marketing manager for Hernan Manufacturing based in Orlando, Florida. Had the opportunity to meet Drew a little while ago and get a tour of the Hernan facility. And it's just it's fascinating. You wouldn't think that adhesives and sealants and things like that could be so interesting. But it's really, really cool. And uh, Drew, welcome to The Cooler Ring. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be on. Fantastic. Drew, uh, yeah, why don't you introduce us a little bit more to Hernan and just uh, maybe give our listeners a bit of texture about the, the organization and your role there. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, Hernan Manufacturing is a large-scale manufacturer of adhesives and sealants in very specialty manufacturing operations. Um, they also manufacture UV LED curing lights and precision dispensing, dispensing systems, um, including dispensing valves. And a lot of these components are actually built right on site. Um, so it's sort of a, a claim to fame that we have where we offer a total solution for a lot of dispensing situations um, and answers for many different problems. Um, the Hernan dispensing adhesives have been used really across the board. It's as broad as manufacturing is. Um, we, we actually manufacture ammunition sealants that are used to protect uh, bullets and cartridges from water exposure and any other contaminants. Um, and uh, so our claim to fame there is that um, it's used by law enforcement and military groups around the world. Um, and we get a lot of pride out of out of helping our, our armed forces. Um, and then also uh, everything from automotive to submarines have used our sealant to you know, keep the water out. Um, and then uh, even things as simple as nuts and bolts for thread locking and thread sealing um, for all sorts of sprinkler systems to um, engine gaskets. Um, as I said, it's, it's quite broad and, and uh, really every single industry uses some forms of adhesive sealant. So we're never going to run out of new ideas here. It's one thing I've been really enjoyed about you know, as uh, as we've deepened our our work as an agency with manufacturers over the years, I think the thing that really drew us to the vertical overall is just that there's a kind of there's a lot of layers that you don't see as a consumer um, uh, to to our economy and to how things work. And I, I think it's just a, it's a fascinating business. Um, I thank you for sharing that. And I, I how long have you um, how long have you been with Hernan? Yeah, I've been here for three and a half years, uh, but the company has been around for 41 years now. 
I think I recall you mentioning to me that this initially started in the uh, the founder's mother's basement, creating glues and adhesives. Yeah, it's actually a really classic American success story in that the founders are brothers and they actually, um, originally they're from Iran and they, they moved um, at one point to Israel and they served in the armed forces for Israel. Um, and then ultimately um, they moved here to New York and started this business. Um, uh, one of the brothers there was at New York University and the other um, had a mind for business and they got together in terms of uh, the science and the business and and really built this from scratch. Um, you're exactly right. It was started out uh, making adhesives in their mother's basement. And then ultimately they were able to reach volumes where they could buy a storefront and they just continued building up with larger locations um, until in 1995, they were able to move down here um, partly, you know, for business reasons with different um, export rules here and, and tax incentives for businesses here. Um, and now it's just really taken off. The business has hit traction and um, it's been growing uh, double digits for the last six straight years um, in terms of percentage. So um, we're, it's just a really exciting time to be part of the company. That's impressive. Uh, that's an, an impressive string of growth. And, and you've been with it for the company for, the, for half of that run so far. So um, I it's guess at least half is because of you. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations <laughs> well, to both them and you. Well, thank you. But you, you never confuse a bull market for a genius there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to oh, write man. that one down and use yeah. it later. Yeah. That, yeah. We could just use that as the uh, title uh, for the, for this uh, episode when we start promoting it. I think. <laughs> um, Drew, I think what I'm really excited to chat with you about today. Um, Cause I think, you know, as I chat with a lot of uh, manufacturing marketers, um, the, the, well, it kind of, it seems like it comes into almost two different camps. Um, there are those who um, are working in an organization that are either flush with cash or is very much committed to wholesale transformation of marketing and sales. And as such, have just dedicated a huge budget to it and, and, and massive departments uh, uh, associated with digital transformation. And then there's the other side that are, you know, it's not that they're not committed to transforming. They are, but they also exercise considerably more caution. And I think a lot of our listeners can identify with that. They're working within organizations that uh, it's not that the CEO or other leadership members don't uh, support marketing. Uh, I think that would be too harsh, but they, they, they challenge marketing to be, um, measured in, in its transformation and to show ROI along the way and to, to prove those res the results of that migration from traditional marketing efforts to digital. And um, maybe um, maybe they put a point of proof on it to, that's a little harsher than, than others endure, have to endure. So, and, and I get a sense in chatting with you that's, that's been your path, that you've really been down a very um, interesting road of experimentation. And frankly, I find it really interesting a number of things that Hernan has done uh, to help support uh, those experiments. So I'd love to talk to you about that and just um, begin to help our, our listeners understand what that looks like. So I guess lead us through that a bit. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'd love to. The um, I would say that our our administrative team has been 
sort of a little bit of both there, that very supportive of exploration in digital marketing and, and even in print marketing, just um, very supportive in um, sort of trying and not, not being afraid to make mistakes on campaigns um, because that it shows that you're experimenting. Um, and so I'd say we have the, a budget um, to really experiment with, um, but at the same time, um, you know, we've been growing a lot, but we're still um, not the size of some of our competitors. Um, and while we have really an outsized production capability, um, our budgets uh, just, you know, for marketing and for some, you know, they just don't compete with some of the, the budgets that we're com- going up against. So we've decided to take a different tack that's much more specific, much more targeted with our marketing. Um, and we want, we just demand a lot from our campaigns. We, you know, with, with these smaller budgets, we, we do not want to try and get into a branding war um, where we're trying to capture, you know, every spot and specific market. Um, and so what, what we've focused on is getting as specific as we can with our analytics. Um, and we do that a couple different ways. Uh, we actually created a separate website that's separate from our main product website, which is Hernan.com um, or HernanEquipment.com for the equipment side. And, and we created a different website um, that is sort of a ghost website, if you will. We created this URL and we actually turned off the SEO robots. So the robots that normally crawl around from Google and Yahoo are, have been asked to leave our site alone. Um, and that might seem counterintuitive, but there's a reason behind it. Um, what this does is it gives us really clean data and it allows us to um, link each campaign to a specific landing page we build and have really high confidence that any traffic from the, on that page when we're looking at the analytics is specifically from that campaign. We know it's not going to be any drifting traffic from you know, old campaigns or from um, any of the search engines. Um, and um, that's, that's very powerful because it allows us to um, put all of our numbers there in black and white and feel uh, really, really good about making a decision about whether our campaign is working or not after you know, a few months there. Um, and as everyone knows, digital marketing is just a madhouse in terms of trying to get correct attribution. Um, there's always the argument that people can uh, you know, see your advertisement and then look you up on a search engine later or... Uh, follow up in some other way, um, and it's and well, it doesn't completely eliminate all of the variables. Uh, this is one of the ways we've helped, you know, our experimentation get a really clear view. I have to say, I don't, uh, I don't know that I've encountered anyone that's really done that in that way. Jeff, have you? No, no, I, I can't think of anyone. I mean, the closest thing would be using like a marketing automation tool to track attribution, but even that is going to get some bleed, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And of course we pair that with trackable phone numbers for each ad and, and your typical um, attribution. And, and we do have our own CRM in house. Uh, we use Salesforce. Um, so that's been very helpful as well. Um, but this is just takes that, that clarity to the next level. The, in, in, in this experiment, I guess I'm, I'd be curious um, in addition to the infrastructure that you, you've built, what have been some of the more successful experiments that you've done as you've tried to um, migrate some of the spend and focus away from uh, traditional tools to the new? Yeah, well, one of the most successful tools that we've targeted is um, actually email blasts. Um, we've moved away from 
uh, you know, just broad scale brand marketing, as we've told you. And um, we found that that email blasts, especially when we're able to, um, there's a lot of opportunities to sort of rent email blasts out there. And, and it allows, again, um, one of the reasons we go with this is because it allows that targeting that I mentioned before. It allows us to select an audience very specifically. We can uh, focus on, you know, age brackets. We can focus on job descriptions, companies they work for. Um, and, and really narrow that margin in so that we can um, demand so much from our campaign in terms of actually getting us, you know, hard leads that we can follow up on and, and deliver right to our sales team. That was going to be my next question is how you were measuring those. Um, so it's, it's, it's basically, it's coming straight up down, down to the uh, quantity of leads being uh, funneled to sales. Is there a level of qualification being put on those at that stage or is that being left to sales? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in our business of adhesives and sealants and, and the suspension equipment I mentioned, it's it's each application is very very specific. Um, you know, the application for any manufacturing system here, it, it's going to have unique substrates, going to have unique temperatures that it's that the application has to deal with in terms of cycling and and when it, you know how it's being bonded, when it's being bonded, how is the adhesive applied. Um, and all of these things add up to a, a real custom solution for almost every single customer. Um, and so we have to be um, very specific with our questions. And when we get a lead in, it's very easy to tell right off the bat um, whether the customer is familiar with this process or not, because the, the ones who are familiar with and, and realize how much um, specificity there is under each application, they're going to write a lot more than those that are just exploring. Um, so someone who's just exploring might fill out the name, the phone number, you know, an email address, of course, and, um, and just a few little details. Um, and someone who has been around before and, and has done, understands this process, they're going to write us a paragraph about um, exactly what they're doing and how much adhesive they think they're going to need, you know, when, when they need the testing done. Um, and um, that's how we can really get a feel for how hot the lead is and, and when it's likely to close. Do you have a sense of, uh, you know, the percentage of leads that are, are very informed, like the one you just described, versus those that may need a little bit more education before you can get them into your system and, and uh, process? Um, I don't have a, a great sense on um, percentage-wise there. I, I do, um, part of the trick here is that there's there's multiple ways to qualify the lead there. So I, I gave you one. Um, and our leads actually take quite a while to close. So our sales process is probably two to two and a half years long. Um, and we can we can often close, you know, standard equipment deals a lot faster than that. Um, but when we're talking about um, integrating a new adhesive into, you know, a car assembly plant, this is not something that's going to turn on a dime. And so, um, you know, I've been with the company for three and a half years, and I'm only just now starting to see you know, really good information on how I was performing when I started working here, you know, for the lap, for the first year, um, it, because I get to see which ones of those leads started closing. So there's a huge lag to the process that, um, that makes the attribution process a little bit more difficult. Um, and that's, that's another reason why we have to get it so clear in the beginning so that we don't have these questions hanging over us the whole time. Most manufacturers are converting barely any of their existing website visitors into leads. If you want to get better than your competition at finding good prospects online, start by watching our webinar, How to Manufacture Better Content. 
This webinar from Coolering host Jeff White will teach you how to produce manufacturing-focused content that works. Watch it now at bit.ly slash hmbcwebinar. That's bit.ly slash hmbcwebinar. I think it's been interesting. There, there, were, there have been a few instances where I found that actually the demand for more information, um, uh, and I, I believe we chatted, chatted about this in the lead up to, to, the, to today's uh, show, um, is that... Uh, you found that adding uh, more information requests on forms and and, thing, and whatnot have actually uh, led to better uh, lead qualification, uh, lead routing, and, and frankly, higher quality lead generation efforts. I've seen this a number of times before, and and and, and it, it always seems quite counterintuitive because, of course, we're taught as marketers to minimize friction. Um, but in this way, you're basically suggesting that uh, the people who know how complicated this process is, um, they want the friction because they understand the complexity. Are you suggesting that selling adhesives requires more stickiness? <laughs> I, I think I you know. can definitely say I that one. I don't think I was saying that, but you did. Uh, I'm not going to own that line. You're going to have to wear that. That's a that's as dad, jo dad a joke as yeah, it's going to get, and you're true. the dad on this podcast. That's all right. I've got some kids. I got it too. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, as I said, the, a lot of, you know, this isn't selling like a pair of jeans. Um, this is, it's not going to fit for everybody and uh, each application is unique. So um, it has been helpful in, in some areas. Um, we see this particularly with our request to sample campaign. Um, in years past, we've run request to sample campaigns for new products that have come out that are you know, really attractive in the attributes they offer. Um, I've spoken to you guys in the past about one of our impact-resistant adhesives, which is our Fusion Bond series, um, and uh, we actually had one that that really broke all of our expectations in terms of um, how much impact resistance it offered. So, so we, you know, approached it with gusto and, and did a really large sample campaign, um, and we got a lot of responses, um, but we didn't end up seeing all of the um, sales that we wanted to see come from that campaign, and and part of the reason was um, that a lot of people were not really prepared to buy yet. Um, as I mentioned, it's a really, it's a long process um, for larger manufacturers to make a change to their process, um, to their to their manufacturing operation. And um, so everyone that is requesting a sample is not going to be the best target to actually send a sample to. Um, and so we need to do some weed out and, and figuring out, um, you know, is this person serious? Or they, do they actually have an application in mind? And, and one of the ways we do that is by adding a test date to our forms. Um, and asking, you know, you know, are you planning to test this in three months? You know, and then, you know, what is the specific application? And, and the more they tell us, uh, the better we feel about pursuing the lead. I just find that, uh, that interesting. Are, are most people, do they have an existing application um, and that they're already kind of accomplishing it in one way? And you're maybe introducing new technology, like the higher impact adhesive that could potentially just do it better? Um, or are most people uh, kind of a, a net new application in, in whatever it is they're they're creating? Yeah, that, that's an insightful read. You're correct. Um, a lot of people will have an application process already in place, um, but typically there's there's problems with it. It's not as smooth as it could be. Uh, sometimes it takes too long. Oftentimes it's messy or it requires a lot of maintenance on their dispensing machines. And so, um, you know, they're, they're already in operation. They're already in business. They're creating products. Um, 
but maybe they've experienced that he's a failure or maybe they're just tired of wasting so many man hours cleaning up a mess um, and they're looking for a cleaner system. Um, and for example, we'll often get those types of requests for our UV cure systems. Um, our UV curing, it, it hardens instantly under the lights uh, or within you know a second or two. And so the any kind of mess or drip is just really minimized with that type of application. Um, and so it's very attractive to someone who's been doing a lot of cleaning and and their team is getting tired. Yeah, you know, I think that the distinction for marketers often is are we marketing into a group that already knows they have a problem? Like they uh, you know, they're they've got a messy adhesive application process and they they, they want to change that versus geez, I didn't know adhesive could have this level of impact resistance. And so therefore you're almost having to you know, create demand for something that they didn't even know exists. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, do you encounter both of those? And if so, how does how is marketing different between them? Yeah, we, we do encounter both of those. Um, as you know, adhesive technology has grown a lot as, you know, over the last 20 years or so. It's, it's um, just growing leaps and bounds as all our technologies are. Um, and so when we when we encounter a, a new structural adhesive that, that you know can offer you know previously what would have previously been categorized as you know really specialty properties, um, then we do need to advertise it as um, and, and we have to sort of recognize that this is not going to be um, picked up by everyone that's currently in operation because now that this adhesive has this property there's new de new design techniques that can be actually applied here. So the actual structure of products can change based upon what technologies are available to, you know, put that product together. Um, and we see this a lot with like light weighting for aerospace or for automotive. Um, when you have adhesives, which disperse stress across a broad area, as opposed to like rivets or welding, which is going to focus stress into points. Now you're, you know, when you're using the adhesive instead, now your stress is, is, as I said, dispersed, and you can actually thin the materials that you're using um, because you don't have to have you know, the bulkhead entirely you know, able to support this spike of stress at, at this one point. Um, and so you can thin the entire bulkhead down and um, really reduce the weight of the product and, um, and make it a much more efficient product as well. Look, I think we're at a dangerous, dangerous juncture in this podcast. Oh, yeah, we could where, go all in on geekery about yeah. different lightweighting things as it applies and, to... And never get to a practical suggestion on marketing for our dear listeners at any point. No, but can we talk about carbon bike frames? <laughs> pretty sure I can um, find some interesting points there. But, uh, so, uh, okay, I'm going to try to challenge us to do that then. So, Drew, um, if you had to just look at your three-year track record of experimentation and, and, and your your product knowledge here is is unquestionably deep. I mean, it's, it's obvious to anyone listening to this. Um, I guess I'm just, what what are the, you know, if you had to try to give the, the top three things that have either worked well for you or bits of advice that you'd like to give yourself looking back three years ago, I'd be curious what you'd offer there. Yeah, so um, email blast that I mentioned before is really helpful with the level of specificity, and we see a, a really good um, return on our cost for, um, those types of campaigns. Um, also, we consider our SEO as part of our marketing. It's just as much as you know any other campaign, um, and that's just we see so much traffic come through Google searches um, and some through Yahoo and Bing as well. Um, and it's it's just um, it's it's almost surprising to to see 
how much effort we have to put in and how much money we have to put in to, to even compete with the generic search traffic. Um, and so um, we really value that, that search traffic. And, um, and I would, I would you know, just encourage everyone to you know, think of that as a campaign in and of itself, that you really need to optimize your site for search terms, uh, follow all of the latest recommendations, get your, get your loading time down, um, and even, um, you know, even add text uh, descriptions to your pictures. Just every single, check every single one of those boxes um, to make yourself as attractive to search engines as possible and, and think about what your customers are looking for. Um, and then lastly, we've actually um, pulled away from some print media, um, which we've seen diminishing results on. And, and you're, you know, as the age old struggle with print media is that it's, it's always even more difficult to attribute the source to. Um, you don't know exactly which magazine people who saw it in, uh, especially when they, they go online and search through Google now. So you, you're trying to figure this all out. Um, and we've actually added a technical writer to our team. And so we're now doing a little bit more of organic content advertisement with articles and white papers. And, and sometimes we'll even take out a, a page or two and write an advertorial um, just to get the text out there about what our products do, um, exactly how they work. And and again, this is all very important for manufacturers who are looking for unique and specific solutions. They need to see the actual data and they need to see actual attributes on, on how this product is going to solve the problem. The amazing thing about content, too, I mean, is that the the burn time on content to deliver leads, especially via organic and, and things like that, is probably not much better than the close time of bringing on a new prospect into Hernan and uh, and getting them into uh, your regular production queue and, and manufacturing an adhesive for them. I mean, it, it takes time to get that content out there, to have it indexed, be seen as an authority, and drive relevant traffic. It's not an instant thing at all. So using this paid approach tends to make sense. It gets it out in front of people sooner. Yeah. Um, and advertorials, you know, are, you know, in the right in the right uh, space, um, you know, aren't uh, discredited in some odd way as much as they used to be, you know, when you were seen to be paying your way in versus getting true earned media. I, I think in, in, in many trade areas, that line has sufficiently blurred. Yeah, and, and you can blend that line further with the quality of your content. I mean, if you're reading an advertorial, it's pretty easy to tell right off the bat whether it's going to be mostly fluff or whether, you know, are these people actually including hard data? Are they are they including um, the results of their testing? You know, is there is there a graph in there that shows you something useful for your business? Um, that's where people are going to start paying attention to advertorials, uh, even though they have that little disclaimer at top. One of the things that I've found for manufacturing marketers that are looking to migrate away from print is they, they often get tempted with that print publication's online option, which, of course, is a newer development that that publication is typically trying to fire up because they know the print is dying. Um, and often it seems like the same pricing structure carries forward uh, to that digital platform, but I'm not sure the results do. Do you have any advice there? Have you had any experience in as you've been migrating away from print and uh, in trade specifically? Yeah, we, we've shared that struggle um, with in terms of looking at the click through rates. Um, it's it's actually um, for generic you know generic digital ads, the click through rates are shockingly low. And for our industry, you know, we had to do a sort of calculation when we get 
you know, you can you can see the click through rate from the publisher on the you know a general ad, and then we see about a five percent conversion rate for visitors to our site that will actually fill out a form. So if I'm doing a lead calculation, um, it really boils down very quickly from you know a twenty thousand impression campaign on digital to um, just a handful of at leads that we're going to see from that. And then you have to, you know, how, what's your cost per lead? Um, and so the way we've combated that is tr- looking for some digital options that are going to sort of capture the audience a little stronger. Um, we do one digital ad uh, with a machine design magazine, and they, um, they have an ad that um, it captures their audience for a few seconds when you're a new visitor to their website. So if you haven't been to their website for, I think, the past month or so, um, and you visit it for the first time there in a while, um, you're going to see our ad dead center on your screen, and the rest of the websites can be grayed out for about four or five seconds. Um, and with this, this actually, you know, is very effective at driving up the click-through rate, and it really makes digital ads plausible as an option for a campaign. Um, outside of that, um, and similar ads where where it's doing a little extra, um, I really don't haven't been able to find that digital ads make sense in terms of creating um you know they're great for branding but they're are they going to create hard leads i not not i wasn't willing to take the risk on most of these yeah and it's really hard to um uh try to uh really value or quantify the value associated with those brand impressions too uh, um you know i think that usually has to do more with the, the, the with who's selling it than than reality sometimes and of course it also has a lot to do with your product. So we actually have to do a different calculation for our adhesive side versus our machine side. When we're talking about, you know, one, two, three hundred thousand dollar custom machine, um, it may be a huge, you know, problem solver for our customer, but it's a big investment and and therefore it can justify, it can carry a lot more weight per lead, a lot more cost per lead. Um, of course. And so uh, it's not just a different campaign, but it's a different calculation for each product. Drew, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about and uh, to digest. And and it's, uh, you know, in addition, I, I found it just to be uh, fascinating to uh, get a deeper dive into this uh, world of adhesive. So uh, I, I really thank you for joining us today. I thank you for the insight that you've, you've given us and uh, wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. It's been really exciting the last few years and and we know that with this marketing it's really gonna it's really gonna keep on being exciting so thank you so much thanks a lot drew cheers yeah take care thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring that's k-u-l-a partners.com slash the cooler ring